listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Last but not least up for today, as Lucy mentioned, we have a panel on remote accessible voting. This will actually be in two parts. So first, we have some of the uh, folks from ACB affiliates who are very active in their state affiliates on remote accessible voting. And then we'll hear from one of our sponsors, uh, Enhanced Voting, as well as one of their partners, Access Ready, about the work they are doing to make remote and absentee voting more accessible for people with disabilities. So at this point, I'd like to welcome our guests from ACB of Indiana, the Illinois Council of the Blind, as well as from ACB of New York. So we'll just go down the list here. Uh, From ACB of Indiana, we have Deanne Hart. Deanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great, and uh, I'm pleased to be here, and I hope the weather is as nice there as it is here. (laughs) Thank you. And next, from the Illinois Council of the Blind, we have Karen Campbell. Karen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Clark and everybody. Um, Glad to be here, and I hope the weather is nice where you are. (laughs) And I hope the nice weather holds for the currency rally here in D.C. on Friday, March 10th. You and Uh, me both, because I'm not sure whether it's it's going (laughs) to, from what I've been hearing on WTOP. All right. And then from ACB of New York, we actually have uh, two individuals because the... Well, they've had a change in their advocacy chair and both bring expertise in the various advocacy tools they've used to increase access for remote accessible voting. So first, Ian Foley, good afternoon. Hi, Clark. How are you? Doing well. And then Martin, uh, Martin, excuse me, it's Martin Cahill, correct? Martin, do we have you on audio? I just sent him and asked to unmute. Aha. So, Martin, once you uh, get that pop-up, if you could please unmute, and we will bring you into the conversation. I'm here, Clark. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. No worries. Fabulous. Uh, So, (laughs) uh, again, a bit of of moderator privilege um, that I know we've got an outline here. I might switch it up just a little bit. Um, but just to to kick us off with some of the, the various advocacy tools that your affiliates have used to increase access um, to voting. And Deanne, uh, this is something that ACB of Indiana has been working on for several years. Do you mind sharing with folks um, what was available to you if you wanted accessible access to remote voting in Indiana, uh, say, two or three years ago? Um, Up until 2019, um, when we started this conversation, um, if you were a person with a visual disability or any other disability, mainly your homebound and your those that were sick 
um, were able to use the traveling board, which meant somebody, two, usually two people would come to your home, one from each party, and would allow you to cast your ballot by telling them who you wanted to vote. Um, I actually personally have never used that option, but um, those who did felt it was very um, exposing. Number one, they exposed themselves, they exposed their house um, to people that they didn't even know. And so it was uncomfortable to do it that and And certainly not a private nor independent vote. No. No, not at all. So uh, what advocacy tool did ACB of Indiana uh, use or what advocacy method did you pursue to increase access to remote voting? We began talking to to people within the state, uh, mainly other blindness organizations, individuals, about their experience with voting. And we found that using the traveling board, not acceptable any longer, and that people wanted a more private option. Um, Beyond that, we also started talking to other people who had experience with voting laws, uh, which led us to talking to people outside of our state as well as people within our state. Um, We found that the conversations um, were very enlightening in that we found that we were not the only one facing the difficulties that uh, were being shared with us in voting. Also, we found that there were some leaders in the process that we could um, learn from. And um, and so through connections, not only in state, but out of state, uh, we started looking at the options we had, which was legislative or going through and doing a lawsuit. Um, When we pursued the loss, uh, the legislation, we found that not everybody wanted it for the same reason we wanted it. Not everybody wanted to walk the same path we wanted to walk, Um, such as we talked to uh, Indiana vote by mail. They wanted to, they wanted it so that everybody could vote from their home computers or their computer not have to go to the polling places. Whereas what we were looking for is the an option that somebody could use if for some reason they couldn't go to the polling. And um, then we started working with our local affiliate of the National, uh, National Industries for the Blind. And we met working with their lobbyists that they only wanted to go for part of our dream, not all of our dream, of being accessible and absentee securely and independently and privately. Um, we went through the, the statute here in the state and outlined what needed to be changed in it that would accomplish goals. And in our conversation, we were, when we were talking to them, we found that Maybe this wasn't the way to go because they were willing to go to the legislator for us with our issues, but maybe we weren't going to get all of it, all of what we wanted from it. So then we started talking to our friends in state and out of state and across the country, people that 
actually had known for two decades um, that I had met up with while I was working on the Help Americans Vote Act, or I had been working with when working with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, had actually been to a room with one of the people I talked to um, and, and that. So there's many ways you can let you can advocate that you can um, pull in and collaborate from meeting people and learning from them. And so after talking to them and then also talking to Clark, um, we decided that maybe we needed to look at a lawsuit. And then the conversations began uh, with the with Indiana Disability Rights um, and Disability Rights Advocates. And uh, that is how our lawsuit came. Thanks, Deanne. And I'll have you pause there um, to bring in Ian Foley from ACB of New York to the conversation now. So, Ian, uh, New New York has also taken, uh, say, a winding path to expand access to remote accessible voting, uh, and that that path. Would you tell us how that how ACB of New York got started along that path? Very similarly to Indiana, honestly. Um, <laughs> a lot of the same players, ironically. Yeah. Um, you know we. In 20, you know, in, 20, in 2019, you know, New York State had some of the highest COVID rates in the country. And, you know, the governor and, you know, the, the state officials were basically saying, stay home and vote. You know, we don't want you outside. We don't want you in the polls. And so the entire state had to find a way to vote absentee. And, of course, we were among that mix trying to figure out how do we do it with access, privacy, and independence. Well, one out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf said. <laughs> um, you know, it just didn't, you know, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so, you know, this, as they announced this, we were a couple months from the, um, you know, from the first primary election, actually from the 2020 election. And it was a, honestly, it was kind of a dismal failure across New York State. Um, many pockets of the state, uh, the the you know, the, the county that the capital resides in in Albany, um, you know, along with several other, especially the rural counties, had a lot of difficulty providing an accessible ballot that people could complete online, print and mail back in. And of course, then there were issues, you know, beyond that with the technicalities of, okay, what's an acceptable ballot? Does it have to be eight and a half by 11? Does it have to be eight and a half by 14? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it really became very muddled. And, you know, every county across New York State was hiring somebody different or contracting with someone different to create these, quote, accessible ballots. You know, so there wasn't one source, one vendor that we could work with that says, hey, we know how to do this. You know, New York City, on the other hand, uh, I'm from Buffalo, so I'm, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the upstate area. Um, but New York City downstate did it right. They, uh, they contracted with Democracy Live and... You know, everybody I spoke to in New York City had an amazing experience marking their ballots. They just had the issue sometimes printing it and mailing it back in. So, you know, knowing that we had another election coming up, um, you know, primary election in August of 2020, um, we just we had no choice but to, to say, you know, the legislative process isn't working. And 
you know, we were, we were asking for several years. Um, you know, I, I've been involved in ACB legislative issues with New York State, state since 2017. And in all those years, the governor and the state legislator, their legislature just was not interested in creating an accessible, especially an accessible electronic ballot return system, much less, you know, just a universal uh, accessible ballot for us to use, you know, as absentee voters. So, Ultimately, uh, we were contacted by, I believe, you and Eve Hill from the NFB of New York, um, and we ended up joining this lawsuit both as ACBNY, but also we had some individual members of ACB of New York who joined as, uh, as individual plaintiffs, um, along with Disability Rights New York and Disability Rights Advocates, of course. And uh, so that's kind of how it all began. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ian. Uh, Martin, I'm going to ask you to hold on a little bit, and I want to bring uh, Karen Campbell into the conversation. So, Karen, uh, both New York and Indiana ultimately pursued litigation or legal advocacy, but the Illinois Council of the Blind, you all are looking at a legislative fix for remote accessible voting, correct? Yes, we are. And how how is that process going in Illinois? Going well so far, but let me back up and give a little history. In 2020, as we all know, the pandemic uh, hit. Who could have predicted that? And that meant that, uh, you know, people weren't going out and that. So we had to have a way to vote, and at that point, absentee voting was not accessible to us. Um, Our colleagues at the uh, NFB of Illinois had started a dialogue and got managed to get emergency legislation to cover the 2020 election um, so that people could vote uh, accessibly by mail. Um, if they wanted to, you had to, you could get the ballot delivered electronically and, but then you had to print it out and send it back in. It was not marketed very well in 2020, so not a lot of people used it, but it was, it was also last minute too. So it, it came, it came in very, very close to, uh, the election, the time that you would uh, want to be turning around, vote by mail, and that. So after that, um, we we wanted to pursue a legislative uh, fix for this, and we were told that uh, that might be possible. Well, 2021, we tried. Um, we couldn't didn't manage to get it, but by the end of the year, the State Board of Election held a couple of hearings, one in Chicago and one in Springfield, um, to gather input on this on this issue. And come 2022, um, we were able to get legislation introduced into the Senate and the House to get um, 
electronic delivery. We did not go go for it all at once because we were told that would probably be too much. But um, long story short, we were able to get sponsors in both the Senate and the House, and we got the bill passed for electronic uh, delivery. And then for the primary last June, under an emergency procurement, we state contracted with Democracy Live for the ballot in Cook, Cook County, which is our largest county, and Chicago used their own vendor, which they could do, which election jurisdiction could do if they wanted to. Um, but they had to either do that or use the uh, vendor through the State Board of Elections. Um, and then fast for and then election for last fall, also that contract went to Democracy Live. And um, I've used I've used it both for the primary and for for uh, the last fall's election. It was real easy to mark the ballot, and that I could vote privately and independently. I knew that the equipment was going to work. The headphone volume was going to be what I needed, and now this year we are working to get electronic return so that we don't have to print it out and send it back in. And thank you, Karen. I'll ask you to pause there. Yeah, um, I was going to. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Illinois currently has electronic ballot delivery and marking, but it the ballot needs to be printed out and mailed back in. Ian, it sounds like that's the current state in New York as well. You can receive your ballot electronically. You can complete it electronically, but then you have to mail it back in, correct? That's correct. And we had our state board of elections after in July of uh, July of last year, we, or, yeah, we had to uh, basically sue the board of elections or actually bring them back to court uh, mm-hmm. be, and, you know, because they failed to comply with the, you know, with the, the judge's order uh, with our settlement agreement. So the judge basically said, find a solution, you know, or you're going to face contempt to the board of elections. And uh, the board of elections pretty quickly contracted with uh, enhanced voting. And I'll tell you the, the product was was really good uh, from a you know from an absentee a remote absentee ballot that you still had to print and mail the the access aspect of it was phenomenal you know across the state so kudos great and Martin this is where you come into the conversation as uh, Ian has I'll say turned out and you've come on board as the advocacy chair for ACB of New York. How is ACB of New York continuing to advocate for uh, greater access for remote accessible voting? All right. Uh, thanks, Clark. Um, and, 
you know, I, I, I've come into a, into a good committee. Uh, our, our legislative committee is, is very experienced, um, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, thanks to Ian, um, his, his past leadership uh, alongside his co-chair, uh, Megan Parker. They, they did a, a great job and, and the team were great. You know, I, I, I see this really as a, as a team effort for everybody. Um, so we, we do have the... Uh, accessible ballot, right? Um, so the, the next piece that we want is is to be able to to return it online. Obviously, closes that 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 loop. Um, so the way I kind of I, I've looked at it and, and how we've been moving forward with it is, um, you know, the, the, the pick a pick a destination. Like it's like a road a road map and a destination, and the destination being. Uh, get the the bill signed into law. So if you keep that always as as the target, uh, that's where where we need to get. So what what do we need to get there and 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 map out that process? Um, so so far, uh, you know, obviously the first step is to get a, a bill draft, um, get it sponsored, and get it introduced. Right. So that that's a sounds very easy, but it's it's a lengthy process. There's a lot of a lot of um, pushing uh, and, and calls and Zoom calls. So we, we've been working uh, in a coalition. Um, so ACB, uh, NFB, Tusk Philanthropies, Secure Family Initiatives, uh, New York Vision Rehab Associates. There, there's, there's a number of, of entities in this coalition, all with great experience to help us get through this. Um, you know, I've certainly learned a lot from a lot of these 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 people with great experience in it so we we pushed hard with the in, in in both the assembly and the senate and we got that bill uh introduced just last week so we're, we're very very pleased so that's a big step on the road for us to get going and um, that that allows us the electronic ballot return um it was introduced last thursday and we're hoping to have bill numbers sometime this week, any day, this week, maybe next week. Uh, but that's just the first lift, right? So now this, the second lift, uh, we've already started uh, in trying to schedule some meetings. Uh, we, we want to do a, a number of different campaigns. Like, uh, first of all, we, we've got to get media awareness. Um, and some of the, the, the folks at, at Trust Philanthropies and, and Secure Family Initiatives, they've, they've done some op-ed pieces regarding this because we need to get general public awareness of this. It's not just for us, it's for military families and everybody with, with, with a disability to use this. Right. So, so we need all shoulders to the wheel here. So we, but we want from our side, we need to make sure that there's campaigns going on of phone calls, uh, which our members can do uh, emails, which our members can do. Zoom meetings, which is now very acceptable in, in all in all manners of of effort, we can we can do that Zoom meetings. But we also want to do uh, two other pieces of in person. We want to get to some of our representatives at their local office, get members uh, of ACB New York, get get the the local members in their districts into their office. Uh, so they're seeing us. I think it's very important that we're visible to them. Um, I think it's very important that we share our experience with with them personally of uh, a lot of promises that are that are made of of uh, accessible 
ballot marking devices at all locations when we go to vote only to find out they're not turned on they're not plugged in they're not there at all nobody knows how to get it started uh that's the experience you know we, we we've heard a lot of 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 great promises but that's our experience sure. uh, we need to get that message across to them um and 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 in a, in a good way this is these are not we're not trying to do a hard sell here. We're trying to bring a human side to it so that they, they see what what's happening. Um, so so we need to, to leverage to uh, some of our partners in the coalition to their IT experience also. Um, if we're going to get our members to, to do these campaigns and join in with us in these email campaigns and phone calls. We've got to make it as easy as possible for those who may struggle with some technology and that. Just make it as easy as possible for them to take part in it. So we, we want to encourage everybody, not just the committee members. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to, to get involved in it. But we also have a day that we plan. It would probably be in mid-April where we will um all show up uh, in numbers at the capitol um in albany and uh, we will have meetings scheduled with as many people as we can fit in and and walk around those held halls and and introduce ourselves to everybody let all the representatives in there see us walking around with our canes with our dogs uh, showing up and conducting business the same way they are um and just really like for those who've already supported it and for supported us in the past you know thank them and uh, build on those relationships so they can help us get this through and and other bills that's great thanks martin so deanne you you hear yes. from you hear from illinois and indiana that they've uh, been able to successfully advocate for from voting by mail with a paper ballot which is inherently inaccessible to being able to receive and mark their ballot accessibly, but then still still deal with printing out the ballot and returning a paper ballot. Um, in Indiana, you all uh, had a, a great victory announced this year. You're now able to, or will be in the upcoming primary, to receive your ballot electronically, mark it, and return it electronically. How does that make yes, you all we, feel in Indiana? We are we are looking forward to that greatly. Um, you know, there's we still have us on the road um, that we're still working on and in that becoming coming to fruition. Uh, but I I think overall everyone will be satisfied with what we get. Uh, and that Democracy Live, we had tried out um, our chapter. And our affiliates had tried out many years ago the opportunity to back off one of the other states who was looking into it. Um, they sent out a link. They offered us an opportunity to try it. And at that point in time, everyone said, can't wait till this comes to Indiana. Um, well, now we can say it has. Um, I didn't say in my first uh, bit of conversation here, we did have to overcome um, some goals as far as we did have legislation back in 2014 that required that people who were visually impaired had to have somebody um, witness their signature on their ballots. Um, and that, this resolves that issue. We also were included in the language that went into the military and overseas 
um, voting act that was adopted here in the state of Indiana. But, but the mechanism for people who were visually impaired to be able to do it was not acknowledged. And that, and that is one, those are two things that the suit has helped us overcome, um, is by, by being able to have a ballot that we can get electronically and we can return electronically, we overcome those, the obstacles that had been left behind. Deanne, one more question for you. What was, um, if you received any pushback or opposition to electronic ballot delivery, marking, and return. What was some of the main opposition you heard or faced in Indiana? I wouldn't say we've read much opposition. I do know we have had some sayers within the blindness community saying, well, they'll never change the law and make it accessible to us. Mm. And what we're running into right now is we are depending on the outcomes of our lawsuit for there some administrative law changes. Yeah, so some some reluctance due to existing laws that were on the books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, if those don't change, we don't get. Yeah. Um, Karen, in, in Illinois, um, what sort of pushback or opposition have you all encountered as you've been pursuing remote accessible voting? Um, I think the biggest one that we're, we're on guard for is the electronic return because we're, and we're addressing that, you know, people who say, oh, it's not secure. We're we're framing this as an accessibility issue, as an access mm-hmm. issue. Um, and I should say we do have a Senate bill, and we are working in a coalition with the NFBI and our largest um, independent living center, along with it, along with a an Illinois Good Government organization. Um, and they are very supportive of us, so we're working in coalition to get this done. And we just had a meeting with our state board of election staff. They are supportive of this. We'll see what the actual board thinks, but they are supportive of this. But they have told us that we should include UOCAVA voters because if we don't, we they don't want to get an equal protection issue, but we did not want to speak for them just as we would not want them to speak for us. Thanks, Karen. And then uh, Ian followed by Martin. So to Ian, as you've pursued litigation and then Martin, as you're going down the path of legislation, uh, have you encountered any obstacles or any pushback for pursuing uh, accessible ballot delivery marking and return? This is Ian. I guess I'll start with, you know, historically, like Indiana, you know, New York has basically the legislature has said, you know, electronic ballot return will never happen. You know, we've had many advocates from other organizations say, don't even try. It's not going to happen. But it's interesting because one of the things that 
you know, by collaborating with some of these other organizations, particularly the, mil- the military families, they have resources that we haven't had before. Mm-hmm. And when you join with these guys, they've got IT people coming in <laughs> with FBI level security, talking about the ballot security when we approach um, a hearing coming soon in the New York State Legislature. That should be a groundbreaking experience that basically melts that, you know, that old conclusion away, that false conclusion away, because it can be secure. Yeah. Martin, in addition to security, any other uh, opposition or pushback related to adding a, an additional means of voting? Um, not, not as of yet. I mean, you know, we are very much aware of the, the, the security uh, probability coming our direction. It hasn't raised its head yet. Uh, again, the bill hasn't even been assigned numbers yet. But, um, you know, I mean, as, as we, we know, it's happened in, in other states. But th- there are 13 states that currently have um, electronic ballot return. So uh, Ian is correct in saying that the, the secure family uh, uh, bring bring a wealth of knowledge in, in that area as well, as well as, as others uh, with us to help us stave that off. But no, the, the, the only other issue that we, we had was uh, just just trying to get everybody's attention to get a bill uh, introduced in the first place, because there's a lot of competing um, projects on, on the representatives play right now, you know, the budget time and all that kind of stuff. So it was really just a matter of, of getting, getting their attention and get them to, to move forward with this um, and identifying who, who the, who the, the, the lead sponsors were going to be. Uh, but we, we've got past that hurdle. Uh, again, as I said, it's just a, it was a slow process, a lot of calls. Um, mm-hmm. But from the, the Zoom meetings, Clark, to be honest, uh, I I've been having a good feeling from them, um, and the election board chair was 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 quite receptive in conversation too. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.